bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, our, our walk with the Lord, our life in Christ, we're doing good on time. Our walk with the Lord, our life in Christ, it's, it's, it's a journey, right? It's a journey that we're all on. If you could, I want you to do this with me right now, okay? I know we were all praying. Most of us had our eyes closed. I like to pray with my eyes open sometimes. <laughs> That's the way I pray when I'm driving. I hope you know that. I hope you're doing the same thing. And I'm walking around the church doing stuff at home, working on the yard. Um, but for a, a brief, like, two minutes, let's do this. I want you to all close your eyes, every one of us. Close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. Okay? Now, with your eyes closed, I want you to kind of, in a time-lapse way, if you can, Envision, picture your life and what it might have been before you met Jesus. But make sure you're going through it like fast forward, okay? Don't pause. But as you're envisioning that and remembering that, begin to come to that point when you met Christ or as you began to meet Jesus Christ and as you began to come near to him, whether it was church, whether it was a family member or friend, and how the process was of you coming to know Jesus. For some of you, it may have been a span of time. For others, it could have been a brief moment. It was quick. You gave your life to him. Now, continue to imagine and envision your life from that point now to where you're at right now. And like all the things you've been through up to this point. And everything that God's done for you up to this point. Every miracle you've seen, small, big. All the forgiveness we have received, all the grace we've received. Even as we are here today and we're here in this moment. Now I'm going to take you a little bit further, and I want you to envision where your life's going to be in the days and the months and the years to come and what you want to receive from the Lord, where you want to be. And see the miracles and see the life that God has for you, the promises that he has for you. Now before you open your eyes, I want you to take a deep breath through your nose, really slow. And then just say, thank you, Jesus, as you exhale. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right. God has been good to us. Some of us, some of those, some of that real wasn't, like, fun to remember, right? Wasn't good wasn't a place you wanted to go to, but, but I want us to know something tonight. The Bible has declared, the Lord has promised, his word declares over your and my life, that when we came to him, he transformed and has created something new in us. Amen? 
Do you believe God's word? All right. Do you believe God's word? I'm not convinced. <laughs> it's like maybe a handful of us. Do you believe God's word? Okay. The journey we're on has taken us, for some of us it's been easier. That's, that's the truth. But you know what? Building that relationship with the Lord has been like, for some of us, really small, few and far between steps of trust, of faith that has grown over time. Some of us still struggle with that. And that's all he's asking is that you give him a chance, that you give him an opportunity. Even today, for some of us as mature, long-time followers of Jesus Christ, he's saying, hey, continue to trust me just because you've been walking with me for so long. You know, continue to trust me. Continue to put more in my hands. Continue to, you know, come to me as often as you can. And he wants us to have these, like, little experiences so that we continue to build our life in him and trust him and have more faith in him. But it's not just about, like, always looking for the experiences and those moments of building our faith. I want to tell you about that really quick. Because the Apostle Paul was struggling and he had, he even says it. An evil spirit was sent to torment me. That was when he was talking about the thorn that was in his flesh, right? And he literally says that. I don't know if you've ever caught that, but he says that an evil spirit was sent to torment him. And he had asked the Lord and asked and asked and asked the Lord, remove this. It was more than he could bear. You hear what I'm saying? It was more than he could handle. It was more than that. In other words, he couldn't handle it. He didn't want to. He, it was too much for him. You get what I'm saying? Yeah? And he kept asking the Lord, take this from me. And the Lord would not. But you know what he did receive from the Lord? Do you know what he heard from the Lord? Do you know what ministered to him? Being reminded of God's grace in his life and how God had transformed his life. And you know what he said? That's fine. Okay, I'm paraphrasing, okay, making it into like modern English, our own, so we could connect to that. He basically said, it's fine if you're not going to take it away from me. Because your grace is what? It's, do you know what that means? Your grace is enough. Do you know how, what else that translates into? It's all you need. So if he never wants, if he ever again does not answer one of my needs, one of my selfish prayer requests, okay? If he never again answers me and one of my needs, guess what? What he did for me on the cross is completely, always complete and enough to carry me through the rest of this, this life. Um, and I open with that because we're going we're gonna to try to read Chapter 28, okay? I'm not going to promise we'll get through it, but we're going to try to read chapter 28. Are you, if you have it, open it. If you have your app, open it. It's enough for me, he said. 
we're going to look at, I want to at least read through some of the places he went through that he visited to get to his destination. The maps that we find on, in your Bibles, the maps that you see in the back, if you have that kind of Bible, they label these maps, some of these maps as Paul's missionary journeys, right? Paul's missionary journeys. And in this particular journey that he's on right now, on his way to Rome, uh, last week, where, how many of you remember last week? You might have been here, you might have not, but last week we went through uh, the shipwreck. Remember that? Did you know that it was 14 days? I don't know if you remember that little tidbit. It was 14 days, 14 nights of them being in that storm. You know, we're, we get caught up in a storm for like a day, and we're like crying, right? Lord Jesus, get me out of this. Sometimes it's not even at our doorstep yet. Sometimes it's something that's coming at a distance, and we're asking the Lord, Lord, <laughs> please. But these guys were caught up in a storm. It was 14 days. I was like, man. And then it says that they began to fast. They began fasting. They were fasting on, on that horrible, like, experience they were having. They were getting desperate, right? They were getting very desperate uh, to the point where some of them even plotted to, like, lower one of the lifeboats and try to escape on their own and, and lie to everybody by saying, oh, we're just going to drop some anchors. And I don't know if you caught this, but there was approximately 276 people on that ship. 276 people, right? That's incredible. That's, that's quite a crew and a quite a number of people traveling on the ship. Paul's a prisoner on the ship. And it, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but based on what we've, what we've come to know about Paul... What we've heard, read, you know, it doesn't seem to me that he had the personality or the attitude of like, first chance I get, I'm going to get out of here. He had already been in prison before. I don't know if you remember, right? Paul and Silas, they were imprisoned and, and then the Lord delivered them, right? There was a couple occasions actually. There was one really fun one that I remember I, I got the opportunity to teach on that night and it said that when they got to one of the gates, it just automatically opened. Um, which was really cool. Um, but as we look at what was going on, um, he not once, like I said, it doesn't tell us that, but it doesn't seem like he was showing any kind of sign of, of cowardness, right, of like falling back in the sense of like his, his demeanor, his character. He continued to push forward. And he continued to receive and accept whatever would come to him. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. And so as we look at and we get into the first chapter, I'm going to give us some time before the night is over to, to discuss some questions. Okay? And, and I'm going to give us some time for some of us. Ah, we're not really into that, but I want to like really allow you some time to just kind of talk and share a little bit before we leave tonight. Um, in maybe a small group format, three or four people around you. Um, so sometimes 
it's okay to get, you know, out of that comfort zone, okay? I'm like getting you, ment- for some of us, we need to be mentally prepared for stuff like that. Like that. Um, and if you're like me, okay, I don't like to be surprised and be like, oh, gosh, I'm going to be like. But let's not focus on that right now, okay? Just, let's just focus on the scriptures for a bit. Everybody there? Chapter 28. All right. Once we were safe on shore, so as they crash the boat, okay, as they crash onto this island, the Lord had promised, the angel of the Lord had appeared to Paul and said, if, if you all remain united, every single one of you will be saved. That's incredible. This ship is torn to pieces, completely torn to pieces, okay, they had to grab some of the wood planks to be able to float onto shore for those who were weaker in the swimming area uh, capabilities. And some of them, it says, they just swam to shore. But look at what it says here, verse 1. Once we were safe on shore. I'm sorry, Pastor Manuel, I'm, guys, tech team, I'm reading the, the New Living tonight. Um, I always forget to tell them they got the NIV, which is totally fine. It's totally fine. Once safely on shore, we found out. Oh, you guys changed it. All right. We learned that we were on the island of what? Malta. Go to the map really quick. I want everybody to see where Malta is. I'm going to move because the camera stands are blocking my view. Okay. Do you guys see where it says Syracuse? On this left side, everybody see it? On the left side of the map? Right below that, it's kind of covered by, I don't have a a pointer, okay? What kind of a teacher are you, pastor? Where's your laser pointer? All right, here's Malta right here. So they're shipwrecked on this little tiny island that's covered by the line that whoever made this map made, okay? So you can't really see it, but there's Malta. Everybody sees it? Okay. So it says, back to the verse, it says, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. You should look it up on Google and like maps and all that. It's a beautiful place. It's really cool. The people of the island, I think the NIV version says the islanders, okay? Yes? Anybody have that? I thought that was cool, right? I thought that was cool. The islanders, the locals, right, were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. So here is a group of people, islanders, and they're learning that they're kind-hearted. And they're extending to them a welcome, right? They're basically saying, hey, welcome. It's cold. Let us help you. Let us maybe even clothe you. It doesn't say that. But we can begin to kind of see what's happening here, right? It says then, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was... Laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake 
driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. It attacked him, literally attacked him. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other. Now, they know that he's a prisoner. Okay, They already know he's a prisoner. I don't know if he's shackled. I don't know if it's because of the guards that are maybe with him at every single moment, every single step he takes. But they already know that he's a prisoner. And look at what it says. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. So they were already assuming, right? Casting judgment. They saw that he was a prisoner, and they're like, oh, there's a word that many people like to use. I don't, I've used it, but I don't believe in it, all right? But we also have our own Christian sayings from Scripture that are related to what others would call karma, <laughs> right? That's what they're saying. Oh, this guy's a murderer, no doubt. So here it is. It's coming back to bite him. <laughs> but literally, we believe what you reap is what you sow, right? Scripture tells us that, but we've also learned that firsthand, that we do reap what we sow. Whatever I go to sow, that's what I'm going to reap. That's what I'm going to get, right? Surely... A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook it off. I, I like how they make it, the scripture here makes it sound so like whatever. Like, you know, he just shook it off, right? Is it easy to shake things off in life sometimes? Right? Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes, I also believe sometimes we choose to carry things. Um, I mentioned this a few I think it's been maybe a couple months. Many times, as, as new believers, we find it hard to live in the new life in Christ because we don't know how to live in freedom. We don't know how to live free. We know how to live in bondage because we lived it for so long, right? We allowed it for so long. There's certain habits we have, even, even as believers. I have a coffee habit. I'll be honest. Like, you know, it's like... As some people say it's bad, but I've been finding a lot of articles that talk about all the benefits of drinking coffee. So I take it even further, and I grind my whole beans every single morning, okay? It's like, that's just me. But we still have some habits, words we use, expressions, prejudice that we have. Many times it's just habits of, like, casting judgment before, you know, allowing for grace, right? Do we, I don't even think we need to go on that one because I'm just going to. Paul shook it off. He shook it off. Like it was no big deal. Like it was a little worm. What is this, right? You flick it off. Whatever. Get off me. I, I pray that we become that type of believer. That no matter what Satan tries to bite us with, we'd be able to say, you're like a mosquito. This mosquito season, my ankles, if you were to get a close-up, please don't. 
they're all, they got bites everywhere. You saw me earlier, I think, scratching because it was really bothering me. Right? My son, Lucas, he'll get bit, and he's got, like, sensitive skin, I think. And he gets bit by anything, and he's got this big boom. It just welts, you know, huge. But that we would be a believer that just shakes things off, right? Doesn't let us affect, doesn't let anything affect us. That'd be great, right? Somebody said super. We'd be like super human, you know, super Christians. Well, guess what? Guess what? Do I have to, am I preaching to the choir? Yeah? Look, he says the fullness of Christ in the book of Colossians, in the book of Philippians, and I believe even in the Ephesians, to the letter to the Ephesians. There's several times that Paul mentions the fullness of Christ. The fullness of the deity of God the Father is in his son. He says, and therefore is also in us because we have died and resurrected with him spiritually by receiving his salvation in our life. So he says that you and I have the fullness of Christ to shake things off the way Paul shook this serpent. Isn't that cool? But we have to exercise that. We have to believe it and we have to trust and we have to have the faith and we have to have his word in our hearts. If we don't have his word in our hearts, we have nothing to fight with. I'm going to be honest with you. If we're, if we're lazy and we don't take the time, and some of you are, are, are new Christians, new believers in the Lord. Some of you may, you may have stumbled in here for the first time tonight. Okay, I'm having fun, but I'm being very honest. If we are not readers of his word, you have nothing to fight with. It's like carrying a gun with no bullets. And you're going into battle. I'm not kidding. I don't own a gun. I've contemplated many times by a gun. I think if I had a daughter by now, I probably would have one. <laughs> but I, I'm not kidding. I, I've, I've used guns before. I have. I've gone to the gun range. Okay? But what I'm saying is this right here. It's true that it does transform our way of thinking. There is nothing false about that. If you completely saturate your life with his word, you have everything you need. You have everything you need in your hands, in your heart. I'm not talking about carrying this physically 24-7. You can if you want. I'm talking about carrying it in here and in here. And it, and it saturates and cleanses us. I better hurry. I'm, I'm preaching too much. But his word, okay, is what will allow us to shake off. The spirit of God in our lives, actively working in our lives, is what gives us the abilities to shake off like Paul did, okay, this serpent. And this is what's cool. It says, <laughs> listen to this. Isn't this just like some of us and, and non-believers? I don't know if you remember when you were a non-believer, but sometimes we still do it. It says they stuck around long enough to see what would happen. They say he's going to start swelling up. He's probably just going to die right now. Let's watch. <laughs> it says that. You know, <laughs> look. Paul shook it off. It says, and it went back into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time, 
When they had waited, somebody say waited a long time. They should have given me this on a Sunday morning. Right? Not on a Bible study night. No, I'm having fun. When they had waited a long time, look, our enemies are going to sit around waiting a long time. But when you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, okay, when I'm in Christ, okay, they're going to keep waiting. And they're going to keep waiting. And they're going to keep watching and let them. Because the more they watch and the more they wait, some of that might sprinkle onto them. And they might say, hey, I want some of that. It says, they saw that he wasn't harmed. They changed their minds. And then they went to the other extreme. <laughs> they went from one extreme to the other. They decided he was a god. Right? Isn't that something? So watch. Here's what we're going to do. It's 748. Man. Put the map back up really quick, Pastor Man. I just want to take you briefly later on in the passage, and I hope you read it. Okay, read it, please. It mentions, first of all, it mentioned Malta, right? They shipwrecked on Malta. From there, it says they stayed there three months. Verse 11, it mentions that they were there on Malta for three months. I wouldn't mind being on an island for three months. And once you see some of those pictures, <laughs> you'll be like, I want to go visit Malta. That's like, it's pretty, dry. it looks like, man, the water's pristine. Okay, then they went to Syracuse, and they were there for three days. And then they went to another town uh, called, and I might not be pronouncing these right, Regium. So now they're like in Italy, okay? So if I start to sound Italian, you know why. And then it says they went to Puteoli, okay, which is, just so you kind of see, so you see the island Syracuse? Syracuse today is where Sicily is. You guys all heard of Sicily, Sicily right? Okay, Sicily right there at the bottom at the boot of Italy. So there's Syracuse, and then from there, they go to the next red dot. They sail over across there to Regium, and then from Regium, they sail up to Puteoli. Puteoli is a neighboring town with what we know of today as Naples, Naples, Italy. From Naples to Rome, Rome is his his. Like his end, that's where he's been wanting to go. He's been wanting to go to Rome for a long time. And the Lord brings him to Rome under arrest, but nevertheless, okay, God made a way for him to get to Rome. Now he's in Rome, arriving in Rome from, from Puteoli. It's 140 miles, okay, southeast of Rome. So from Puteoli all the way to Rome. It's 140 miles. Why am I making this and repeating it, making it a big deal and repeating it over and over? Because how they got there, remember, they didn't have cars. They didn't have bikes. Even then, that would have been a strain. But they didn't have airplanes. They had ships. They had horseback. But they went on foot. Okay? They went on foot. They traveled 140 miles to arrive in Rome. To arrive in Rome. Now, let's think about all these things that God, that God has brought Paul through. He's brought him through all kinds of hardships, right? All kinds of circumstances that he's had to face. Many of us maybe would have said, I'm done, including myself. 
I'm not going to try to like act like I'm that, you know, this great tough guy. All I'm saying is that the hardships he endured, okay, all the experiences he had to face, the hardships he had to face, the struggles he had to face, he never gave up. He knew, he knew there was a purpose for his life and that God had called him to do something and that God had promised through prophecy. Remember, it was through prophecy. They had prophesied over him that he would visit Rome and be able to have the opportunity to share the gospel. And we learned this on Sunday. The gospel of God, whose gospel? God's gospel about who? Concerning his son, right? Jesus, the good news, the gospel. Who does it belong to? It belongs to God. He calls Paul, sets him apart, and through prophecy speaks to his life and says, you will one day bring this word, this great message, this great gospel, all the way to the believers in Rome. There's believers in Rome. It says in chapter 28 that when he arrived in Rome and he began to see some of his brothers and sisters, it says that he became overjoyed. You ever gone through something so difficult and so tough that when you got to the other side, something made you say, oh, thank you, Lord, right? Something made you say, Lord, this was all worth it. This is why. Now I get it. This is why you made me go through all these things because of this right here. This moment right here got me. Is why you made you you got me to this church, or why you got me to this retreat? Maybe if you've been to a retreat and you saw God's hand move in your heart, whatever it would be. Maybe it was getting through this pandemic. I don't know. Maybe it's getting through some difficult challenges in your marriage, in your life, at work, exams. I don't know. But at some point, you saw. This is why. This is why. I've gone through everything I've gone through, and it was to get to this point, to see this very person come to Christ, to see these folks, to see this family member, or just to see that God got me this job that I've been searching for, whatever that is. It says that when he arrived there, he saw his brothers and sisters. So I have two questions for you that I'm going to throw up on the wall. We're all on a journey. We've all got hardships in life. Do hardships mean that God is not present in our life? It doesn't. Absolutely not. He allows so many things to come into our lives to build us up, to make us stronger, to trust him more. And he knows how much you and I can, can bear. And when we're weak, his word says, when I'm weak, you are strong. The two questions are this. We got some time. Do you have the confidence? Do you trust the Lord that where you're at right now? You know what confidence means, right? There's no doubt. When you're confident about something, there's not one hint of doubt in your head, in your heart. Right? You ever, you ever been in a situation where you've been, like, super confident about? No? Or yes? And you know, like, this is, this is it right here. This is mine. Right before they're calling that next bingo number, you know you got that number. And you're, like, already standing up. It's me. No? If you've been so confident about, okay, this is what the question's about. 
Do you have the confidence that you are where God wants you to be? We're going to talk about this, okay? And, and I want you to get into groups of three. Please, no less than three. If you see somebody by himself, go grab them, okay, with love. It was so cute today. We were leaving this dojo. We just started our boys, by the way. And this little boy came up to Lucas, and he went like this. And Lucas didn't even know what to do with it. He was like, uh, uh. <laughs> what do I do? Do I go for the hug? What is he doing? Like, we had no clue who he was. We hadn't even met him. We didn't know his name. But I thought, this boy's full of love. He had so much love. He just came up to him, and he must have sent something or saw something in my boy that he was just like, I want to hug this guy. You know, I don't know. You he was confident that he was going to get a hug back. <laughs> and my, my son, you know what he did? He kind of did an air hug, and then he kind of was like, huh. you know, <laughs> he's trying to be like, you know, we're in the dojo, so we like bow to each other. It was funny. So if you know that you are in the right place, talk about that. But here's what I want you to know. If you're not sure of where God has you right now, talk about that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel bad. You know why? Allow that. Allow that. Allow that little bit of doubt or that lack of confidence to be the vehicle that takes you to where God wants you to be. To takes you on a, take you on a search. I believe God has a call for me, a purpose for me. He needs me to do something. And I want to find out. So I may not know right now, but I want to find out. And the second one is, are you doing, okay, wherever you're at. If you're confident that God has you where he wants you, are you doing what he has called you to do? Are you doing, it says, are you doing what he would have you to do? Paul knew what his purpose was, right? Where he was, wherever he was. Man, chapter 28 talks about how Paul had God's favor. The guy was allowed to stay in the quarters, okay, of one of the Roman leaders of that time. And it says that he just, they let, he let him chill in there. He was still under guard 24-7. But the guy was living it up. He was enjoying palace life. Best food, wine, the whole works. Steaks, whatever he probably wanted. They were bringing it to him. It says it. Read it. Chapter 28. God's favor was on him. But he trusted. Here's what my point is, is this. Is that he got, he got to his destination because he trusted, he trusted God, and he trusted God's direction, he trusted the Holy Spirit. In other words, he submitted himself completely to God and to the Holy Spirit, that he was the one guiding him every step of the way. That's why he never fought back, and he even says it, hey, you know, back home, because there was brothers and sisters, meaning that there were some Jews there in Rome living there. He says, hey, back home, man, they, they arrested me, but I did not break any one of our laws. And then when the Romans couldn't find anything wrong with me, they just brought me all the way down this journey. And look where I am. I've been wanting to come see you guys. We've got a free trip out of it. <laughs> right? He trusted the Lord was guiding his steps and that he had him where he wanted him. So where you're at, where you're at right now. Whether that be a physical place, it could be both. You could talk about that or a spiritual place in life. But, hey, if you want to say, yeah, I believe that the job that God has me at right now, he's opened that door for me to be there for a purpose. It could be where you're at in life right now. 
Okay, but let's talk about that. We've, we'll do um, about 15 minutes, okay, because I know if I do more, we'll just take 30, and then our kids will be coming in through here and waiting for us. We got to get them home. But um, let's do about 15 minutes, get into groups of three or four people, three or four people, okay? That way we can kind of keep, keep the conversation. Everybody has an opportunity, okay? Go ahead, guys. Go ahead. Come on. Three or four people. Don't be shy. Introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. Say hello. Offer a mint. I don't know. <laughs> Three or four.